0: to the everyday story podcast my name is Ben Armstrong and I'm here with Ben and my name is Jack <laughs> so we're here continuing our study of the one chapter epistles in the New Testament um, we last time we were together we covered second John we kind of skipped first John because it doesn't qualify but we did talk about it because mm-hmm. uh, the content in first John definitely affects how we read well second uh, and third John and so today we want to cover third John mm-hmm. Um this is, you know, really unique. It's, it differs from second John in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in second John, we talked about how, uh, that was very focused on, um, the story of Jesus. They were denying that Jesus had come in the flesh. There were these Christians who, you know, quote unquote Christians who had left the church and were teaching, um, another narrative, another story. And John has some very, um, tough words for the Christian community to hear about them. Um, they're not to give hospitality to them because, uh, their manner of life, the way they live is not consistent with how they've been taught about what and who Jesus is and what, uh, life looks like after, you know, Jesus. And so, um, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit. And now third John, if you just read it on its face, it can almost seem like it's like contradicting second John. It, because now you're going to get into like it's a good thing to show hospitality, and it's written to the, this one person, and there's all these other people involved in Third John, and it can get kind of confusing. And so we want to hopefully demystify some of that and explain some of the things that really make mm-hmm. um, it easier to read Third John
1: well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the scholars like to make a point of that, you know. Some at times it's like, well, John's getting what he deserved in in his. Uh, third letter, but I mean, when you understand them in the context and how they flow together for 2nd, 3rd John, and how they need to really be understood as a unit, you begin to see how um, how they just harmonize beautifully and uh, you know present a very clear picture of what was happening there in the first century.
0: Hmm. So to read 3rd John well, we need to understand, like at least there are two things in my mind that differentiate 3rd John from 2nd John. Uh, Third John is written to an individual, mm-hmm. and we had talked about last time in Second John. We believe that it's written to uh, the church, um, and so that's a, that's a difference there that will matter. It's written to an individual here. Now he does mention the whole church, but it's particularly written to um, mm-hmm. Gaius. And then secondly, there's there's really very little theological content. There's really right. not a lot of doctrine that's explicitly stated, but it's it's more focusing on. What does life in the early church look like, and what yeah. are some of the tensions that come with that? Mm-hmm. Are there any other differences between the two that you could think of? Or yeah,
1: no, I think uh, you you hit it uh, at least at the you know the major point. Uh, he, if Second John is to the elect lady and her children. This is to Gaius, as you said, to an individual. Verse nine mentions the church, so it's it's a community, but really John seems to be addressing some of the important personalities. Within the community, and it, the the epistle, this third John, it's it's shorter than Second John, um, and from what some have noted, it is the shortest epistle in the New Testament, less than two hundred words, and so his focus, really, as you said, is just on life and what does the gospel look like when it's embodied, when it's embraced, when it's fleshed out, and the issue that uh, demonstrates that fruitfulness or that outworking of the gospel is the issue of hospitality and uh, so you know as you said in second john john saying don't give hospitality to those who want to change the narrative or the story about jesus and then here you have somebody from within the church saying no we're not going to give hospitality to uh, people who are uh, champions of the gospel and who are uh, truly um, living in step with the gospel, and so that that creates the tension that we feel in Third John. But you know, in my mind, I just think it's really practical. I think there are some many there are many appropriate applications or streams of um, that we could see are appropriate for us today as we read it as the uh, you know the church sort of in in a post pandemic world or moving out of a pandemic world. So, uh, but I. I I've found that uh, really exciting to work with the material, lots of good stuff here, good challenges, and so we wanna dig into it.
0: So how would you describe how the letter is structured? What are some of the big pieces of the letter of 3rd John?
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple, you know, the letter it, the letter follows pretty much the pattern of a Greco-Roman uh, letter of the day. You know, you're greeting, you're closing, kind of the reason why I'm writing, here's the problem, here are some of the exhortations. But as I was thinking about it and just trying to visualize the, um, the flow uh, for myself, I was thinking, okay, so it's really focused around people and the issue of hospitality. So the letter begins with this address to Gaius, and then John unpacks and speaks about how Gaius has been hospitable. Then he moves to Diotrephes, and he talks about how Diotrephes has been unwilling to show hospitality and lacks hospitality and then we go to demetrius who is in need for hospitality or in need of hospitality so uh, you know if you can visualize that sort of a flow i think it's helpful at least it works for me people and hospitality gaius he's a, a model of it Diotrephes, he lacks it demetrius is in need of it there's the story of second or third third john in in just uh, kind of a concise way so
0: you know, do we need to know who these specific people are to understand, to read Third John well? Like, do we need to know yeah. who Gaius is? Do we need to know who Diotrephes is? Do we need to know who Demetrius is? Do mm-hmm. we need to know who John is?
1: Um, and, and can we know some of those things? Yeah, that's a great question, Ben. And of course, as you know... From just our back and forth talking about it, that um, I mean, we want to know. We want to identify these people. We want to do a little bit of uh, vetting on them um, and that sort of thing. But ultimately, I think what we have in the letter is is sufficient to help us see and understand the author's intent. Uh, we can do our best to see where, like somebody like Gaius, is mentioned, and it's kind of interesting. We were chatting a little bit about um, how Job's, in her commentary, talks about Gaius and Demetrius, both mentioned in Acts 19. Um, Demetrius there was a little bit of a troublemaker uh, in Ephesus at the time. So, you know, that's not the same Demetrius that we're reading about here. But then Job's goes on and says, well, could it be? I mean, could it be the same Demetrius? And could it be this is why Gaius needs to have this letter of commendation of demetrius in the sense that he's not the same guy that uh, we have experienced from the past in acts 19 um, there's been a change and he's uh, an ambassador for christ in that sense he needs some help he needs some support and so uh, please give it to him hmm.
0: um so what are you know some of the problems that people have maybe when they start to read Third john as they come across Diotrephes and they think What's his problem? Like, yeah. w- what is like the beef that John has with diatrophies and like, w- how is this actually like playing itself out? Like, how is this happening? Yeah. What is that actual issue? Um, is it, you know, based on some kind of doctrine? Is it based on like early church polity? You know, like w- what's causing yeah. uh, this problem? What do you think?
1: yeah well and again you know what do we know from demetrius or excuse me what do we know from the letter itself about diatrophies and uh you know what do we see we see him you know obviously as a, a a a strong personality within this local community and he seems to have influence over the community and perhaps some level of a following but you know it's just amazing he's like he's like going to stand in opposition to the Apostle John and um, so kind of reject authority. You had a great summary of all of the things about Demetrius. Or excuse me, I keep saying Demetrius, sorry. We're talking about Diotrephes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about Diotrephes, yeah. uh, who is in need of some help. So run through that summary again. That was really good. Uh, yeah,
0: well, see, so, yeah, if you, you just look through um, verses 9 through 11, I think I, I, I like the C S B how it how it translates it. Um Diatrophes who loves to have first place among mm-hmm. them. He doesn't receive our like the apostles authority. Um he's doing works that are maliciously slandering. Mm-hmm. He's not, but he's not satisfied with that. He refuses to welcome fellow believers. I think there's where we get the key that, like, it's different than 2 John. Mm -hmm. Um, He refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do that and he expels them from the church. So you've got this pretty shady guy. So, like, Job summarized, like, he doesn't receive exhortation from the elder. He publicly makes disparaging remarks about the elder. He doesn't welcome fellow Christians endorsed by the elder. He forbids those in his local church to welcome Christians endorsed by the elder, and he throws out those who do so. <laughs> and so, like, you've got this picture of, like, okay, that that's something that you need to address. Like, this isn't, this isn't like a little, like, slight personal, like, oh, you know, diatrophy's just kind of like offended me a little bit. Like, this is, this is uh, an issue cutting down to, like, what does it actually look like to live in the church? Like, how do mm-hmm. you do church? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you allowed to welcome a believer and show them hospitality? Or anyone who wants to do that, you're out of the church. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is quite a divisive issue, and it's kind of threatening the community of the church early on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so you see some of that stuff about what Diotrephes is doing, and you think, yeah, that that needs to get dealt with.
1: Yeah. Uh, every time you run through that list, it just reminds me, like, Wow, you know, in many situations in many churches today, you could probably identify, you know, people who are, you know, very diatrophies-like in their challenge to authority, their unwillingness to um, be hospitable and gracious and manifest the gospel. And that—you could just imagine how that tension would wear down a church assembly. Like when, you know, when that tension is— manifesting itself in a body of believers. You know, particularly a church, say, of, um, you know, well, any church for for that matter, but I'm just thinking of those churches 200 and under, you know, where you have somebody like this and, you know, everybody's warning you, hey, be careful of diatrophies and don't mention hospitality. Be careful about how you talk about it. Uh, you know, there are some people that are not here anymore because of, and you just sort of get this, like, sort of cloud that is over the, the assembly and it's it's very suffocating and it's very exhausting and uh, it's it's ultimately deadening. I mean, the church doesn't grow. It doesn't grow. You know, everything is tentative, tense, and that's not the way that the New Testament church should be. So, so you know, is John being a bully here? Is John, you know, is he grabbing a dog by the ears and wanting to pick on a fight? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think, like you said, these this needs to be addressed Mm. and otherwise um, the health of the community is really going to be in jeopardy.
0: We've talked a lot about how like even in first John and second John there's and even in third John there's a lot of emphasis on love walking in the truth Mm -hmm. Um, and and so this is you know some people think like oh like you know so much for like being all about love right but again this is about loving Jesus and the true story of Jesus and then loving what that actually means Mm -hmm. and so there's that there's that tension between, you know, and it's not really actually a tension. It's a tension that I think sometimes we make up or that mm-hmm. we put there. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no tension between love and truth. They right. go hand in hand. They right. you can't have the one without the other. And so mm-hmm. you think here it's helpful to see, this is what love actually looks like. Love yeah. looks like preserving the true nature of the church and encouraging people to live well. Like here, mm-hmm. Paul is writing. And he's saying, "Hey, like, don't don't imitate what's evil. Don't imitate mm-hmm. diatrophies. Imitate what is good. Keep doing good. Keep showing mm-hmm. hospitality. Don't be swayed by his example." Mm-hmm. I think there, you know, we're seeing okay, like loving truth looks like encouraging people who are living truth to keep mm-hmm. doing that and to keep mm-hmm. doing that well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course so you. It sounds so much like Paul, but I know you meant John when uh, we talk about, yeah. But uh, no, it, but you're right, um, Ben. That's very much Paul's sort of emphasis. Peter as well, you know, don't imitate evil, but the good. And um, that's really the first negative imperative in this little epistle. But, uh, you know, the positive course of action is imitate the good. In other words, imitate it like Jesus. You know, in other words, you know, embody Jesus, be like Jesus. And then, of course, Paul says in Second in Thessalonians, just to emphasize your, your reference, Second uh, Thessalonians three, seven and nine. Follow us. Make you know, we make ourselves an example for you to follow. And then uh, Hebrews 13, verse seven. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their com- conduct but you know what is really interesting in these verses verse 11 in you know it's very succinct it's very familiar do not imitate the evil but the good and then the ones doing good are out of God they're like they come out of their their source their root but what is what is fascinating is when you get to the contrast the ones doing evil have not seen God you know, so it's kind of an interesting play, and that takes us back to John fourteen seven to nine. You know, I was thinking of that Jesus Philip exchange. You know, Philip says, "Show us the Father," and then Jesus says, "He who has seen me has seen the Father." So, in a sense, there's no Jesus in those who are practicing evil, and uh, so I think verses, uh, I would say verse eleven, really is a good nutshell summary. What do you think about that? Just a good nutshell summary. Like, if we want to say, okay, what's the point? What do I need to take away here? Hmm. Um, maybe verse 11 would, would fit that. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's the link that says, you know, you know what is good. You've yeah. heard our testimony. Like, we saw, we touched Jesus. We we know Jesus. You know that our message is true. And, and therefore, like, the one who does good mm-hmm. actually proves that they know the one yeah. who is good. yeah, And, you know, how we live affirms whether or not we actually are embracing the right story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's helpful. Yeah.
1: I, I think this is where uh, the challenge is or the, maybe a little bit of the introspection comes, you know, thinking about, well, you know, am I a hospitable person? Is my community, are we hospitable? Are we showing, demonstrating Jesus and living well in that way? And um, you know, as we were sort of contrasting Second John, Third John, and I always like how you had that nice summary statement of uh, in Second John, there's this attempt to change the story with a different Jesus, and then when we come to Third John, we just see you know here's someone who is not living the story, and not living it well. You know, in other words, they're affirming they have a relationship, but by virtue of their actions, they're just demonstrating that they are not living well. They're living like a devil in some ways in the story. Hmm.
0: So I think, you know, now that we're, you know, we're finally starting to come out of COVID hopefully, you know, now that we have a vaccine and all of that stuff, but, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother, you know, we're not going to get into that. Yeah. But the hospitality thing is so big and it's such a big difference from our culture. Like we live in, in such a different, Day Mm -hmm. And I think some of those pieces are really hard for us to wrap our, wrap our minds around. So if you hear the message of third John and your attitude is, okay, like I need to be hospitable to like every single person I see, like right now, like I need, (laughs) I need to be having like 20, 30 people in my home and like, you know, like maybe, but, but how can we become hospitable? Uh, you know, even in the middle of a pandemic, what does that Mm -hmm. look like for us to grow? Because I think, because I think whether we're aware of it or not, our culture has changed us in the last year and mm-hmm. if we're not aware of how our culture has made us more suspicious or closed to strangers or people that aren't like family and close people that we know a lot about then mm-hmm. then we're gonna perhaps start to miss what it looks like to live well in this mm-hmm. kind of hospitality that third john
1: talks about what do you think about that yeah yeah no you're right and uh, so i think you know as we're kind of moving into a post-COVID, more vaccinated kind of situation of life with people, I I think people are still a little bit, you know, um, shaky. You know, what does that mean? You know, do I continue wearing my mask? Can I have people around me? Should I have them in my home? How many should I have? But I think the the pandemic in some ways has, um, you know, exhorted the church or, um, how, how should I say, or challenged the church to a new level of creativity. And, uh, you know, in other words, okay. so, um, you know, pre-COVID, I would do it this way. But in in COVID, post-COVID, I need what's a what's a nice application of that. And I think we can all find comfort levels. So I don't think when we think about hospitality, do we need to think in terms of entertaining the masses? But, you know, handfuls of people, you know. Build your bubble, you know, or build your comfort level and keep expanding your circle uh, as you feel more comfortable and uh, show that hospitality. But I think ultimately what, what I like about um, all of this, you know, study that we've been doing about hospitality, particularly from the ancient world, is we're finding out that, you know, that hospitality is not entertaining our friends. You know what I mean? But hospitality is actually investing ourselves in the lives of others who are committed to gospel work. And, you know, so it's like this investment of ourselves into the gospel work of another brother or sister. And so, you know, we may not be able to give, we may not be able to write a, you know, a, a big check with lots of commas and zeros, but we can <clears throat> certainly um, provide comfort we could provide a meal we could provide a couple of days of lodging we could you know maybe we could <clears throat> in some way participate in you know a project or, or something so I, I i think i think it's like now's the time to be creative like think about how can we invest ourselves in others to advance the gospel if i could say it that way i don't know what do you think you usually have some good ideas on how to do all this well kind no of stuff.
0: i i don't i just hopefully read people who do maybe um i was really <laughs> i liked karen jobs's thoughts on this she she points out how like she remembers going to the the gas pumps and like having conversations with the attendants back before there were self-service gas yeah. pumps mm-hmm. and and she just says you know modern life has really conspired to make us all strangers. And she's writing this pre COVID. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. in the early, uh, 2010s, I believe Mm -hmm. allowing us to choose to encounter only those with whom we feel comfortable. Those Mm -hmm. who are similar enough to ourselves, such alienation breeds a suspicion of strangers, which is a tendency rooted in our fallen human nature that is reflected throughout human history. Rather than feeling naturally open towards strangers, most today are uncomfortable with the risks that a stranger presents, even to the extent that it deters someone from approaching the stranger, even at a church with a friendly handshake. Mm -hmm. We often rationalize our discomfort by an appeal to our busy schedule Mm -hmm. or our perception that we would be intruding on another's privacy.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so she says hospitality begins with an attitude of openness and generosity that allows us to appropriately share ourselves and our resources with whomever God brings into our day. Mm -hmm. Rather than being the person who habitually isolates himself or herself inside their home, would it not be a better witness for the gospel to be the person who welcomes the new family to the neighborhood with a friendly introduction? Mm -hmm. We cannot love others as Jesus commanded without being open to people. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was like really helpful that's really for good. me. Yeah. And I think no, like even, true. even like reading that, even like coming out of COVID, it's like, whoa, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm really like comfortable with that idea right now. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. and so that, that, I think there's tension there with like, how do we live well coming out of a pandemic? But I think to your point, it looks like, you know, walking across your yard or across your sidewalk or you know, across your cubicle or Mm -hmm. across, you know, the aisle or whatever, you know, to just say, say hi to the people around you and to say Mm -hmm. it like you mean it and to actually care and to be open, um, instead of just allowing our culture to isolate Mm -hmm. us from everyone. And then before we know it, the story that we have been entrusted by Jesus to, to spread that that like, there is a kingdom, there is good news, there is salvation. Mm -hmm. That news becomes isolated to me. Mm-hmm. and it becomes mm-hmm. private and I think that's like living the story well living mm-hmm. well today um, looks like holding that story out in mm-hmm. radical openness against mm-hmm. our culture that's going to say like you know get out of my privacy like you no know, get away from me like I don't right. I don't want to you know
1: I don't want to I, I know I, I was, I'm thinking about in my past experience of two really good situations that I encountered uh, that were you know random expressions of hospitality and of course um, they're not radical, but they were, they just stick with me. Uh, one, Kathy and I were just new members of a church in, in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And I remember after church, you know, on a Sunday night when we used to have Sunday night churches, <laughs> services, um, I remember, you know, somebody saying, you know, like grabbing us or signaling to us and saying, Hey, follow that van, go to their house and like, we're like, OK, so, you know, we we had the kids in the car and we loaded up, you know, we all got in our car and we just followed the van. We didn't know who we were following, but we got there and those people turned out to be some of our, our best friends um, in that particular moment. And then I remember just one other time I was visiting a church in Florida and, um, you know, walked in and it was a friendly atmosphere. People were greeting us and uh, chatted with us just a little bit and then said, hey, you need to meet so-and-so and like they walked us over to this other couple introduced us to them and I, I just like I love that I love the fact that you, know, you find you know your community you know who's in it you are attentive to where people are from or what kind of is their background and then you demonstrate that kind of hospitality by connecting one with another <clears throat> but the other one I thought might be appropriate Ben. I don't know if you feel like sharing it and this was you know you're just out in Colorado Springs doing some orientation, stay with a uh, couple. We're learning about kind of just like love for a Muslim community. And, um, you know, I, I think I was thinking about that even just going through our study and preparation for our, our time together today. I don't know if there's anything there that you feel might be appropriate to share. Mm.
0: Yeah. They, they were, they have a, a lot of ministry opportunity to refugees. And he said, uh, one of the things they get asked a lot is, you know, well, like, how can I love my Muslim neighbor? How can I love my neighbor? And he said, you know, it's really, it's really simple. He said, do you know how to say hi? He said, people <laughs> always look at me like I'm, you know, being mean. He's like, no, I mean it. Like, do you know how to say hi and mean it and genuinely mm-hmm. care? Hmm. It's like that all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah. Like people, people know that that there's something rant, like off about that like people people mm-hmm. don't just like randomly mean to say like hello and actually care about me you know like, mm-hmm. they don't actually want to know they don't actually want to just be friends with me like that doesn't just happen like why mm-hmm. why would you love me without wanting something in return why would mm-hmm. you care about me without wanting anything in return like mm-hmm. that sticks out and I think you know, for for me, that that's that's really helpful. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. you don't you, no, do, you don't was... need a theological degree. You don't need right. um, this like massive amount of experience. All you need to do is to to understand like this is how Jesus looks at us. He looks at us with openness and generosity and kindness, and he lavishes his grace on us. Mm-hmm. And if we understand the story well, if we understand who Jesus is. Um, this is going to translate into us loving the people around us well. Mm-hmm. And and that, that's going to look like open arms, open hands, generously supporting, generously caring, being kind, mm-hmm. and opening ourselves up to them. Mm-hmm. And there's a risk there. It's vulnerable. Right. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable, right? Like there's some of that, like, uh, and I think a lot of that's our culture. And mm-hmm. I think pushing through that to live well is worth that risk. And I think mm-hmm. um, when we push past that, um, people notice that that sticks out and people want to know like what makes you care Mm -hmm. about me? Well, like, let me tell you.
1: Yeah. I I saw a tweet uh, recently that I thought was very helpful. I think it was by Owen Strachan and and he said uh, in the tweet, uh, you know, the gospel defies safism and, uh, and really calls us to abandonment. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're, you know, like let down the guard, um, you know, aside all of the safety nets that we like to build around ourselves that isolate us and protect us and really see that the gospel is calling us to you know be outward facing in many ways and and as we banter here back and forth about this hospitality issue we're really kind of hitting two bubbles of that in that banter you know two sides of the net on the one side we're talking about and i think which is the emphasis of third john of um, caring for um, those who are servants of the Lord, advancing the gospel, and then on the other side of the net, we're talking about the place of hospitality and evangelism, mm. you know, and just outreach and yeah. introducing people to Jesus. So it's kind of like, you know, it's the same thing: hospitality, you know, to show people who Jesus is, and then hospitality to partner with those who who know Jesus and are wanting to advance the cause in a particular place or w- within a particular kind of work.
0: Yeah, I think some people will will see the letter of third John and I'll think man, like that's kind of discouraging how many problems there were in the early mm-hmm. church. Like that yeah. man that church was like really messed up. Like maybe mm-hmm. man that's just kind of discouraging and I I actually think seeing second John and third John and even first John and what we'll go on to look at in the other episodes we have coming is like the church is not perfect. It never has mm-hmm. been. And I think as we look around in our day and we see the Christian church, you know, even just in America, but, you know, much less around the world, um, the church has problems, Mm -hmm. the church struggles, the church has issues, the church has things they have to look at and say, "Uh, what do we do with this? I don't know. There's some confusion here. I I don't Mm -hmm. What does it look like to live well? What does it look like to steward the story of Jesus well? And I think it's really encouraging that you have a church 2,000 years ago That was struggling with someone like Diotrephes and had someone like John to write to them and say, Mm -hmm. no, keep keep knowing Jesus and keep doing good. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the essence of of Christianity Mm -hmm. is believe Jesus and live well, like Mm -hmm. uh, live well in a consistent way with the fact that you know Jesus. And I think it's encouraging that here we are like over 2000 years after this Mm -hmm. letter, the small letter is written and like the gospel is still alive and active. Mm -hmm. It's still saving Mm -hmm. people. Um, It's transforming the way that we read the Mm -hmm. new Testament and how we read the story of Jesus and how we live today, even Mm -hmm. in, you know, coming out of a pandemic, like Mm -hmm. this is, this is encouraging. We have, Mm -hmm. yeah we have, um, we have a history of the fact that there are problems in the church. We're not going to ever have a perfect church, mm-hmm. um, but we can continue to grow and learn, uh, to, to learn well and to live well mm-hmm. uh, in our
1: day and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, along that line you see this, uh, what, what I found to be fascinating, sort of this developing image of the church as you work, as we work our way through these epistles. And, uh, you know, you, you begin to see some things a little bit more of a concrete way, you know, leader in terms of leadership, in terms of members who seem to, you know, now, however we define membership, you know, that is, uh, you know, something that we don't get a lot of specifics on, but there seems to be a sense of a community with leaders to whom they're accountable. And there's a there's an in and an out, you know, in other words, uh, so membership, at least from the second and third John epistles, we can say, well, there are people who are in this community and uh, need to be out of this community, or there are people who are in this community and not acting properly and not manifesting the truth. So you get this idea of a community, accountability, you know, proper beh- behavior in it. And then even the the terms that uh, John uses, and you referenced that uh, particularly in um Uh, you know, verse 9, where John says, I wrote to the church about this situation with Diotrephes," And so, uh, uh, but you're right, I'm encouraged as well. And and of course, it's, you know, the church closer to the apostles (laughs) had as many problems as the church Mm -hmm. furthest from the apostles. And so you see that we're sinners definitely in need of uh, encouraging one another to live, to love, to walk in truth and to live well. And it, I think it really plays into the hand of our, our podcast, doesn't it? Uh, with mm. this idea of, you know, we want to, um, we want to read well, we want to live well, we want to learn well. And I, I like that opening that John uses in uh, where he says, I, you know, I, I pray you prosper and are healthy just as your soul prospers. And I thought that's a great, uh, pandemic sort of uh introduction you know i pray you're prospering i pray you're healthy mm. and i'm praying just as your soul prospers that mm. you are you are doing well mm. and um yeah and our encouragement
0: to our listeners would be uh third john 11 dear friends do not imitate what is evil but what is good mm-hmm. uh, the one who does good is of god and the one who does evil has not seen god mm-hmm. and so we encourage you um to see God to know God and then to do what is good and this mm-hmm. is this is God's will for us this is how right. we live well today and mm-hmm. so that's good news and uh, and we trust the spirit to bring that about in us for his glory and Amen. that our neighbors and our co-workers would see that mm-hmm. there's good
1: there I want to yeah. know about that yeah praying for open doors open mouths you know good opportunity and and living well is, is you know it's not um, it's not you know, really this complex formula, it's just walking in the truth, living out the truth that uh, of this union with Christ, this gospel reality, this doctrinal body of truth that Jesus taught us, that the scriptures include for us, consistent from Old to New Testament, and this idea of just walking in the truth. So... Lots of uh, lots of good stuff here. I hope that uh, our conversation has stimulated your interest to dig into this short epistle and uh, and uh, you know learn it for yourself as mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, next time we're together, we're gonna move on to the letter of Jude. Yeah, and so that'll be a really fascinating study as we continue uh, mm-hmm. our series here on the one chapter New Testament epistles. That's right.
1: Learn well, live well, and read well. And we trust that uh, by God's spirit, you'll you'll do that. And, and uh, you know, we leave you with that greeting that uh, John uh, had there. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Original music for this podcast was created by John
0: Horton. Her graphics were designed by Virginia Stroud. And this episode was mixed and mastered by yours truly. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time here on the Everyday Story
1: podcast.